outside, especially if you're a gardener, because we think it's spring. It's not spring, folks, but we're going to talk about that for the next hour or so. This is the Garden Party of Mississippi, Mississippi Public Broadcasting Weekly Garden Program. We call the Gestalt Gardener, and I'm your host, horticulturist Fellow Rushing. Our producer is an awesome Java Chapman, and we're going to have fun in the next hour or so talking about gardening. Coming up in today's Mardi Gras slash Pink Flamingo version of the program, I'm going to give you a heads up on some things that are blooming right now. Take notes or email me, and we're going to take your calls live about what's going on or not in your garden. Got some cheesy music coming up, but mostly for the next hour or so, it's going to be real gardening between real gardeners by a guy who doesn't sell anything. Again, Mississippi Public Broadcasting, Gestalt Gardener, Horticulture's Fellow Rushing. We'll be right back with your calls after this. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's fellow rushing. Love to be here on Friday mornings and repeat on Saturdays talking about gardening. I don't sell anything, and I've got a couple of couple of degrees under my belt and a few decades of just talking about gardening and looking and scratching and sniffing and learning a lot of stuff. You cannot imagine how much I learn from the emails I get from folks who say, Feller, you should have said this, or why don't you do this? And I'm thinking, okay, I, lo- I love that. You know, Give me a call. Let's talk about it. We're going to be talking about a lot of gardening stuff, and I've got a few notes to share, but uh, uh, before we get into that, we've got a couple of guys who call right off the bat and want to get into it, so before we get into my usual stuff, let's talk to Dwayne down in Bay Springs. Hey, Dwayne, good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning. Man, we're jumping right into it, aren't we? Yes, sir. Uh, <laughs> What's up? What I was wondering about, uh, uh, Mr. Rushing, is uh, what kind of, what variety of figs is it that we have that surround these old home places that are... 100, 150 years old, you know, and, and they keep, you know, they're there and they're still yeah. there. What variety is that? Is that the magnolia or brown turkey? What is that? It'll, it'll be the same one that my great-grandmother planted back before my father was born, and it still produces figs. It's called brown turkey. It brown pro- turkey. Pro- Probably brown turkey. It's the most commonly grown across the, the lower part of the southeast. It may not be the best one for the yard, but it sure is dependable. Yeah, they've been there forever, and, and you see Celeste and other types now, and I know that wasn't what, what was there 150 years ago, but, but they keep coming back, so that's the good ones, I guess, you know, yeah. or the uh, heirloom types. And I'm just wondering what, what type that most likely was. It's, so it's, it's most brown turkey. Yeah, and by the way, Celeste will be here for 150 years, too. You know, I mean, they're all good, just just a matter of when people were peddling plants. You know, they didn't have garden centers up until the 1930s or 40s or so, really. Most of the time, it was pedal stuff, or people buy stuff through the mail. You can get an entire garden in a box through the mail from Sears and Roebuck. But uh, people peddling in market bulletin and all like that, that was mostly brown turkey. Gotcha. I appreciate it, sir. All right. Appreciate your call, Dwayne. And let's go stay along the Gulf Coast for a little while. Talk to Brian. Hey, Brian, what's up, man? Hey, how's it going? So far, so good. Well, thanks for having <laughs> so me good. on the air. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, uh, I was calling in, and uh, uh, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about, uh, to see what you knew about the Jackson Pecan. It's uh, a good one. What, 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 what else you need to know about it? Uh, well, okay, so uh, I, I work in the public affairs office out at the, the CB base down in uh, Gulfport, Mississippi. Uh-huh. And uh, lately, one of our, our firefighters at the, our fire station, uh, he goes by the name of Ham, but uh, he, uh, he's he been doing a little research on a tree that we found back behind the fire station on the base. And it's a, uh, it, apparently it's a hybrid. It's uh, called a Jackson Pecan. And we did a little research on it. Now, apparently it's 100 years old this year, the, the hybrid that uh, was created by a Mr. Betchel, and so I just wanted to know uh, what I, you knew about you it. You know, I did not know that. I, I worked with pecans for so long. Matter of fact, I was raised, literally raised in a pecan grove, picking up pecans for a nickel a pound when I was a kid. And I worked with pecan growers, and there are dozens and dozens of varieties. And by the way, the uh, you know one of the most famous ones, Stuart pecan, you know, was discovered as a wild seedling uh, down near Pascagoula. Oh, okay. But uh, so anyway, pecans are native to here, and there's a whole bunch of genetic variation between all the seedlings, and sometimes somebody will come up with one out in the woods that is extra good or has a thinner shell or meatier or heavier production, and they'll propagate it from cuttings. But, you know, they also do a little hybridizing. It just takes uh, 8 or 10 or 14 years to 
to get one from seed to grow. So most of the time they're discovered and they're propagated by grafting. But anyway, that's that's a real interesting point. Now, Brian, I'm going to do a little bit more research on that, but either that or you see me what you got. <laughs> well, so uh, so I have a, uh, another follow-on question for you. Um, I, I'm very interested in, in pecans, and uh, and I've, I've been working for the government for a long time and, uh, and I'm going to be getting close to the end of my career pretty soon in the next few years. And uh, and I thought uh, it might be fun uh, as as a hobby and a little side business uh, to uh, to start growing my own pecans. Uh, and so uh, first first thing I want to know is uh, for for just a couple acres of land, what what would you suggest would be the best yield for pecan trees and okay. that, uh, well, okay. the amount of pecan trees I could put on an acre? Okay, what I would suggest is send me an email and let's get in a little bit more detail because it's really a little bit more complicated than sitting them out. We have a couple of real serious uh, problems, an insect called phylloxera and a disease called scab. And unless you are prepared to spray or get varieties that are resistant to those, you know, then and, and spraying pecan tree ain't easy then we're going to run into problems. We also need to have at least two different types, early flowering and later. Uh, you know, pecans have separate male and female flowers. In some varieties, the, the male is open before the female. Some, uh, some of the female is open before the male. And you have to plant both of them in case we get a rain that washes all the pollen off of one of them. So anyway, it gets a little bit more complicated than just setting out some good pecan trees. But first of all, we need to get one that's resistant to scab. Because that is a real booger bear. And um, th- then we can take it from there. Uh, and also, most pecan growers in a small area, you know, you need to plant them fairly close together for the first few years. And then as they start getting bigger, you can cut the middle rows, the, every other row out to, you know, in other words, you can double your production the first few years. And then when the trees get bigger, cut out every other row so that you, you know, the, the ones that are left have elbow room. It's a little complicated stuff like that, but I'd love to have, like I said, I was raised the pecan groves, and we got some terrific pecan experts all over this part of the South, including here in Mississippi. Be glad to help you, man. All righty. Uh, shoot me an email, by the way, garden at mpbonline.org. And uh, I got some, some things I'm going to yak about, but I'm intrigued with this. Joanna, whoa, what's up? What's up? Let me ask you two questions real quick. How far can somebody come over your property line and cut your boxwoods and your nandinas? Uh, they put one half of a foot across, they're breaking the law. That's called trespassing. Thank you, thank you. Uh, my second question is, I broke my arm, pat myself on the back. I planted wild verbena, and last year it looked like the leaves, like they had been splattered with something, so I ignored it. And then I looked back later, and it's like the, where it was splattered looked skeletized. Yeah. And they never put up purple flowers. So I thought this year, should there's anything I should do? Yeah. Yeah, a couple of things. Keep in mind that that stuff, that that wild purple stuff, which is from Argentina, by the way, it's not native. It was introduced and spread. It grows better in the most poor, miserable, low fertility, card packed roadside conditions you can imagine. If you have it in a decent flower bed or fertilize it, it's going to get lush. It's not going to flower very well. It's getting all, all sorts of leaf diseases. So you need to treat it as if you were trying to get rid of it by stomping on it. That's what I thought. I dug it out and it was growing the cracks, the pavement and stuff Th- like that's that. That's where it grows best. I planted it and then I thought, Dad, gum it. Okay, no, thank no, you. No, it, it grows best in gravel or, or, or sidewalk cracks. It's just one okay. of those kind of plants. Also, if you cut it back, Joanna, yeah. uh, that may, you know, like they do with the roadside mowers, it'll actually bloom better flatter instead of tall and leggy and floppy. Okay, very good. Thank you so All much. All right. Appreciate it. Okay. Bye bye. Oh, that was a flurry of calls. That was a flurry of calls. I wanted to knock those out, even though we, you know, we got you know some Aussie to talk about. By the way, um, uh, Java, did you um, did you give me enough props on my prop today? Yeah, you you have <laughs> the as we like to say the OG of what you have in there. I'm gonna let everybody. I'm gonna let you tell it what you have, but okay, it's, well, it's the original. Oh, what is what is I have to? Do I need to Google OG? I mean, you OG just means the original. Like oh. it's none before it, and it's really nothing the same since. Well, as a matter of fact, in this case, that is that is that is the OG of comments. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I have a pink flamingo here, and a lot of people just don't like them. They're common, they're tacky, they're vulgar, they're blah, 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 blah. And the fact is, they are. It's America's most loved-to-be-hated garden icon, okay? And everybody has pink flamingo jokes. But those of us who are into pink flamingos have a distinction. There's the real plastic pink flamingos, and there's a fake 
plastic pink flamingos. And most of what you see are fakes. They got big heads, they got cute eyes, they got the little black thing that the legs stick into. They don't, re- you know, they're just, bleh, they're fake. But this one looks like a flamingo. It's got the grace, it's got the lines, it's got the feathering detail, and it's made out of, listen to this. It's made out of, of industrial-grade plastic you can ship acid in. It doesn't fade in the sunlight. The legs stick straight into the body, and it, again, it's got, it, it looks like it's done by an artist instead of you know, something you get at you know, just a, a chain store. Now, how old is that one that you hold it in your hand? The one I've got here is 60 years old. And it's still pink, guys. It's still, still, still pink. Plain, still pink. This is what they call a Don Featherstone flamingo. Now, Don Featherstone was in Lemonster, Massachusetts. He was an art school graduate. He started working for a plastic company back when plastic was still cool. And uh, they got him to start doing yard ornaments. He did the plastic ducks, which, by the way, they are... Uh, they are uh, accurate as to which sex they are. There's male and female Featherstone yard ducks. Uh, but he also did the pink flamingo, and um, it, it, it kind of knocked out since It's the first ever plastic pink flamingo. He patented it in um, 1957. So this is the 60th anniversary of the first ever patented pink plastic flamingo. And I have an original Don Featherstone that I showed you on the bottom. His name is embossed on it, but he autographed this one for me. Just for you. <laughs> he, he, I mean, I, I, he and I gave a lecture together one time. You know, you never know what's going to come out of this old hippie's mouth. But he and I lectured on yard art one time up in uh, St. Louis, and he autographed a pair of them. And um, anyway, if anybody's interested in pink plastic flamingos, uh, g- whether you're getting them on eBay or something like that, Google f- uh, Featherstone flamingos, Don Featherstone. Those are the real deal. And this is the 60th anniversary, and I just want to give a shout-out to folks who like pink flamingos, America's most loved-to-be-hated icon. But mine have been autographed. woo Anyway, <clears throat> we got a, a few other things to talk about. I want to share some things that are blooming this time of year, Java, but we're getting close to break time, aren't we? Yeah, we can, uh, if you want, we can take the break now or what you want to do. Yeah, let's, let's do that because uh, I'd like people to, to just listen to the stuff that I've seen blooming this week. I do a lot of walking, and there's a whole lot of stuff in bloom um, about four to five weeks too early in some cases. But anyway, we're going to be talking about that and taking phone calls and sharing some emails here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. It's a garden party. We don't have to dress up. <laughs> you don't even have to get dressed. You know, you might be sitting outside with a cup of coffee. You might just be dragging in from all night doing something else. But we're gonna, it doesn't matter. If you like plants, if you know what green side up means, if you know that the, all those horticulture rules stink, then we're going to be talking about that for the next hour or so. It's a great day, and we're going to be talking about gardening here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Me and Java are going to come right back. After a little bit of a break, and I'm going to share some of the things that are blooming this next to last week in February. A little bit early. Stick with us, folks. Horticulture is fell to rushing here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We'll be right back. for the arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okay, you know, folks, welcome back. Horticulture fell rushing. If you hear some noise in the background, it's called Jonas Adams, my former producer before Sir Java. He just popped in. He lives up in Washington, D.C. now and came back to say hi and visit the folks. They're out in the hallway just whooping it up. That's okay. Listen, I said I wanted to share some of the things that are 
blooming this time of year. And, and I'm talking about this week in, in central Mississippi. A couple of weeks or so, I'm going to be down on the Gulf Coast. A couple of weeks ago, I was up north. And it, you know, it could vary by as much as a couple of weeks. You know, from north Mississippi to central Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana, the Louisiana-Arkansas state line, uh, all the way down the coast could vary by three or four weeks in bloom time. But we've got stuff that are blooming easily five or six weeks too early. And I talked with uh, my, my friend Bobby Green, who's a nurseman down in Fairhope, Alabama. He said that's about right on the coast, too. Anyway, here's what's blooming, and it's just going to take a, a, a couple of minutes, that I saw on my walk this week. My, my transplanted dandelion, by the way, is in flower. Yeah, I, I moved it, <clears throat> along with some other low-grown winter and spring wildflowers, from a neighbor's yard to my little round meadow garden. And they're in bloom with pansies, violas, dianthus, pink ox, alice. Um, my paper whites are still kicking. Some other early narcissus, including my favorite of all, the tiny little fragrant jonquil with their thin, reedy, quill-like foliage. Jonquils have, have thin, quill-like leaves. Uh, I got snowflakes, which some people call snowdrops everywhere, little bells with the green dots. Kind of hard to find for sale, but they're real popular pass-along plants. Iris and ferns have new foliage, golden euonymus, and the brilliant red-tipped photinia and the larger Chinese photinia with rich copper-colored new growth. Uh, amazingly, the azaleas in Jackson are very early this year. They're in full bloom. They're looking great. And they should, there should still be some flowers later in the spring, but it's always better to revel in what we have for now. Uh, I saw some shrub roses in bloom, full bloom. Also in bloom are camellia japonicas, flowering quince, forsythia, snowball viburnums, uh, fragrant winter honeysuckle shrubs, late sweet olives, and their real intense fragrance. Plus, I've seen a couple of native sweet shrubs. Some people call it calicanthus, already in bloom. Uh, early dogwoods, native cherry laurels, red buds, blueberries, chickasaw plums, lots of yellow Carolina jessamine. Saw some spirea and a caria, which some people call yellow rose of Texas. Carrie has little golden double flowers on long zigzag stems, uh, good for the shade. Another good yellow flower shrub for late winter or spring is Florida jasmine in full bloom. Brilliant, uh, uh, clear yellow flowers. Uh, and between the Florida jasmine and yellow, yellow Carolina jasmine, forsythia and caria, and yellow daffodils, you can have a good bit of gold right now. Anyway, that's what's in bloom right now. In February, a little bit, a little bit early, a little bit creepy, uh, and we're gonna miss some of those in April. But there's some March and early April plants in full bloom right now. Anyway, that's all right. We go with the flow. We enjoy what we got, and we hope that we don't have a late frost. It is, however, not spring. I want to talk about that a little bit later. But I want to take a phone call, but I want to emphasize that just because the weather's nice and I wear flip-flops and there's bees buzzing and butterflies flapping around does not mean it's okay to plant your tomatoes and peppers and basil right now. We've still got a long ways to spring, at least a month before the average last frost for this part of the country. If you're a gambler, go for it. If you want to gamble in your garden, doesn't matter to me. You spend your money and your time and your weekends however you want, but... I personally am not going to set out peppers and su- summertime stuff until uh, at least towards at least a month from now, you know, towards the end of March, early April. If you want to give us a call, it's toll free one eight seven seven MPB ring. Let's go on an mobile and talk to. Is it Darlene? Darlene? It's Darlene. Hey, howdy. Are you hey. avoid? Are you avoiding all the Mardi Gras stuff? No. Matter of fact, I'm from Mobile, but we've hit one over in Fairhope, and now we're going over there again tonight. All righty, all righty. Uh, have fun. It's a little re- more relaxed, easier, and whatever, and we have food right out there on the street and uh, whatever. So we're just having a good time with the kids. I'm going to be giving a program in, um, uh-oh, I'm drawing a blank. What's that, that town? Uh, Foley. Uh, mm-hmm. Early next month uh, as an evening mm-hmm. talk. Maybe you can swing down there. Anyway, what can I help you with today? Okay, um... Do you, uh, do you ever come to Mobile? All the time. Oh, well, do you ever let us know so we can come and hear you, see you, talk to you? <laughs> well, usually, usually if, it, if it's either the Flower Festival or a Garden Club or the Master Gardeners or something uh, like that, but... Like- yeah, I mean it's just something general public is invited to, but you yeah. know, I mean, I don't just, I don't even just park on the street corner and wave my arms and well, I do, but <laughs> well, not I a moment. You did stand up in the back of your truck. I've done that. I've done that on campus at Cordell University. I've done that in probably twenty <laughs> states. But uh, anyway, if you got a library group, a local library or something, tell them to give me a call. Well, shoot me an email. Right. Sure, I will certainly call them and get us going here in Mobile. I have a whole program called Slow Gardening in Mobile, and really? it, but but also works over in 
Fairhope and Foley and places like that. Anyway, yeah. what can I help you with today? Okay. Uh, you had mentioned something before you break about, uh, I, I'm assuming it's the flamingos. Yep. Featherstone, is that the Don, Don Featherstone, that's right. And look it up online, and it'll tell me all about the flamingos. It sure will. But but be sure to talk about, to do Don Featherstone flamingos, because he's a guy, he was a real artist. And he, okay. he got it started. Everybody, uh, they, they, uh, they, they, uh, what we call it, they down marketed it after that. They got cheap. They're really hard on those things, aren't they? Well, you know, a lot of people don't like it when people express the fact that they got a foot out of the box. Oh, and, I know, and, well, I know what you're talking about, but we do what we want to. That's right. And, 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 and like, <laughs> like my, uh, my friend Jim Perry's Aunt Lala said, it doesn't matter what you do or how you do it, your neighbor's going to talk about you anyway, whether it's a garden yeah. gnome or a flamingo or a bottle tree or whatever. Well, we really don't worry about that. We've got fruit trees in the front, and my boys come over here and say, golly, old folks live here. And I says, well, what are you talking about? We are old. Okay. And, 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 and by the way, enough, you might get to that age. There's a proud but tacit difference between not it, you don't care and it mm-hmm. just doesn't matter. We do care. It just doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah we don't worry about that. Yep. Okay, so look under Featherstone then. Yeah, Don Featherstone Flamingos, and you'll okay. come up with something. Or shoot me an email. I, I, I've written articles about it in major magazines over the years. Well, I wanted two nice ones, so that's what I'm going to go for. It, it's going to be hard to find because uh, they, they haven't been made in some years now. Uh, oh, they, they were made well, for. How did we get them? Well, uh, you have to go on eBay and be sure it says Featherstone Flamingos. Okay. Uh, because they were, they, matter of fact, I have a pair, a, of, a golden pair. Of the fiftieth anniversary, of the year they went out of business, they sent me oh. a pair because I've been such a good friend of Flam- friend of flamingos. They yeah. sent me a, a pair of uh, of golden ones for the fiftieth anniversary. But Ooh, anyway, like yeah, yeah, the, the Featherstone ones <laughs> are the best, and you get them on eBay. Now, uh, what's the running price on those things? No That's idea. No idea. No, no idea. idea. Okay. All right. Well, I heard the last end of it, and I said, I want those. There you go. So there you go. Yeah. Check it out on eBay. All right. Okay. They, come, they come in a box, and the legs stick right into the bottom. They don't have that little doohickey on it, so don't be thrown off by fake flamingos. All right. <laughs> All right. Thank okay. Let the good right. times roll. See ya. Thank you. I do do a lot of programs around the place uh, in Alabama, Louisiana, Arkansas, Tennessee. Uh, matter of fact, I've got stuff scheduled and literally all of all all the states surrounding Mississippi, I do this at libraries and master gardens. So uh, you know, if you want to have some fun and whoop it up, give me a shout. Uh, let's go to Rizland. Hey, John, thanks for calling, man. What's up? So um, I wanted to uh, just give you a follow up. About three weeks ago, um, I was listening to a program, and you said, you know, now is a great time to spray for weeds. Yep. Yeah, they're young. They're they're immature. They're growing, and they. You can spray for weeds and work. And I thought, you know, that's a great idea. I've never done that before. I'm going to try that. Mm-hmm. So I got I got two different weed killers, a broadleaf um, and a grassy-type weed killer, and I mixed them according to directions, and I sprayed them out there. It was a nice warm day. It was about 70 degrees outside, no wind. Anyway, so I'm all excited because I'm thinking, well, these things are going to just die, and it's going to be great. So the next day I look at them. By golly, those things weren't happier. They were greener. They were taller. They were they just looked as chipper as they could be. And I'm thinking, ah. Uh, so, uh, so I'm you know I'm not going to be impatient. So I'll wait a few days, about a week actually. I look at those things. They're just as happy as clams. They look great. They're tall. They're they're growing just fine. They're very green. I'm thinking, well, that's tell they're that dirt bag. He gave me some bad information. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, well, I got busy, and one thing led to another, and. Uh, so guess what happened? They turned. Yeah. When you turned your back, and they all did as a doorknob. Yesterday, three weeks later, they turned yellow. Yeah. Here, here, here's weeks. here's the deal, and and I have no idea what herbicides you use. And by the way, I would I would not mix broadleaf and grass weed. The the, the reason I wouldn't mix them because some weed killers will actually kill grasses. You know, there's some things you can spray on St. Augustine Centipede that you can't spray on Bermuda. Some things you spray on Bermuda that will kill St. Augustine or Centipede. You've got to be careful about that. But uh, these things, they're, they're systemic. They're taken to the plant. They go down the root. They kill the root. The top dies. And it depends on the amount of what, you know, how much warmth and all before they die. And if you'd have done this a month ago, they wouldn't take it quite as long. It just gets harder and harder as they get bigger and bigger. Well, um, my thinking was the point is that when it's cool... It really takes them a lot longer. It does. Uh, that's right. The, 
in the summertime, I'm used to them being dead the next day or, or, or three days at the very most. Yeah, well, those um, those just, those kind of weed killers are not not good to use on the lawn, though. You want something that's going to – this is – you know, it's a delicate word, but this is chemotherapy. You're trying to kill the problem without killing the patient, and it takes time. It's better to spray lightly a couple of times a week or two apart than to really overdose one time, just like chemotherapy. So I have, I have an actual question, sorry. Um, and I think you've talked about this before, but I have some planters, um, you know, just uh, decorative planters that I want to put on the porch. And I, rather than put uh, real plants in them, um, I was thinking about putting artificial plants. And if you have a good source for those and a good variety that you recommend that would look, you know, realistic yeah. uh, to go in that situation uh, I, I i do it and actually this is this is a serious question i actually have some artificial plants myself and some people turn their nose up at it well they're just being they're 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 haughty whatever you know shut up you know anybody that puts on mascara can just shut up you know what i'm saying but probably the best place to go to one of the hobby places like michael's or someplace like that that's got good quality stuff you don't want to put cheap for example if you're putting plastic from uh plastic uh poinsettias out there go with the silk ones because the plastic ones fade and they look <laughs> artificial but uh you can you know it, you know you get quite a few very realistic looking cacti and succulents uh there's a place i saw uh on the other side of interstate 220 on north side drive headed towards clinton that that has unbelievably realistic artificial cacti and succulents, and, and I I grow the real ones, and they're extremely realistic. So I would go to a to hobby store rather than you know a dollar type store. And uh, and also one last thing, don't be afraid to put in other things like sticks, branches, interesting uh, uh, seashells, things like that. It's okay to have artificial things out there. It's okay, and people don't like it. Don't do it. Whatever. Um, got time to take another call before we do the music. Okay, let's go to Port Gibson. Hey, Linda, good morning. Good morning. Roses in bloom, I bet, aren't they? Yes, they are. I took your advice, uh, you know, to be nice. <laughs> yeah, a lady came over and brought me some uh, persimmons. Mm-hmm. And I gave her a piece of my Confederate rose. Mm-hmm. Yes, and We've been friends ever since. But what I call for is I have not been able to find this this beautiful dark red rose since I moved back to Mississippi. It's about the size of a an apple or so. It's it's so fragrant. Hmm. Now, can you give me the name of that rose? Or? I I I I, I might be able to. The problem is I work with a place called the Antique Rose Emporium out of Texas that collects old heirloom plants and antique plants. They're, they're well-known all over the, 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 the South. And there are several big, fragrant red roses that have been around for uh, 80, 100, 150, 200 years or more that were brought here. And, uh, you know, what I would have to do is go through their catalog, which which I do uh, quite often. I know the folks real well. And just look at the shrub roses with the with the red flowers that are fragrant. I would have to cross-reference that. Uh, but other than that, there's, there's, there's pro- there might be a dozen different ones it could be. Uh, do you do email, Linda? Yes, I do. If you'll send me an email and, and just remind me of this, and I'd be glad to look. If we can't find that specific one, I bet we can find with one that, that, that you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Because we yeah, got some really good fragrant old garden roses that uh huge. Yeah. And the nice part about the one of the reasons why I like the antique rose emporium is they don't graft their roses, they're rooted, so they don't you don't have to worry about it dying, you know, at the graft. You know, they just come up and the more you prune them the thicker they get because they're just they're rooted. And they, they collected theirs from cuttings taken in old home sites and small towns and country gardens and cemeteries and uh so you know they're they're real dependable plants. But shoot me an email, Linda, and, and, and we'll come up. If we can't come up with that particular one, I'll come up with some pretty close ones. All righty. We need to scoot. We need to do some music. Got a, a call from up near Memphis, and people from all over the place want to share some emails. But let's do a little bit of cheesy music, something to sort of cheer us up here a little bit, because, uh, you know, not all of us quite get along with everybody else, but we can learn how to get along anyway. I'm Horticulture's Fellow Russian. Song, I ain't got no melody. I'm gonna sing. 
Once in a while, I've got a story, ain't got no model. Let the bad guy win every once in a while. Will it go round in circles? Will it fly high like a bird up in the sky? Will it go round in circles? Will it fly high? This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's fellow rushing. You know, this is I chose that music, even though it's garden-related. It's about attitude, and gardening is about attitude, too. Spent a lot of time looking at people's yards. Uh, I do a lot of walking, uh, I average between five and six miles a day. And I look in people's yards. I think about stuff. I look at plants, well, how they're growing, which one's doing well, which one's doing poorly, which one's getting no care at all and are just knocked out. Uh, Design-wise, how do they solve problems where it's too shady for grass, all that kind of stuff. You got neighbors you don't like. How can you screen them off without building a wall? Uh, so these are the kind of things that I that I think about when I walk. But uh, I also learn a lot from the kind of emails that I get. We're going to touch on those in just a second. But before we do that, let me jump into to to see what's a miniature rose question from Barbara up in South Haven. Hey, Barbara. Hello. How? I have a question on these little. I call them a miniature rose. Uh-huh. They give you at Valentine's Day. Right. 
like from Walmart or wherever, but right. how do you take care of them, and can they be planted outside? Oh, they'll actually probably do better outside, Barbara, in some real dirt. You know, uh, the, okay. the florists buy their plants from green from wholesale greenhouses who grow things in, in greenhouses under ideal temperature, light, fertilizer, water, in potting soil that's designed to be watered a lot. And uh, that's not good for plants in the long run. Some plants do fine in pots, like the old rubber tree or something like that, but roses and shrubs do better in some pretty good, well-drained, real garden dirt. They grow better ro- ro- roots that way. Well, they get very large or do they stay this size? It it really depends. You know, even a even a small plant can get, you know, bigger than small. But mm-hmm. luckily roses, the more you prune them, the more they bloom, the thicker they get. See? Okay. So if you put it out where it can get I'm gonna say the bushel basket a little bit bigger, you can keep it pruned that size or smaller by just every now and then just giving it a good old haircut just like I do around my around my, my face every couple of three or four days. Okay. And they bloom on new growth, so the more you prune it, the more they're going to bloom. Uh-huh. It, could I set it out now or wait? We're going to get a 33-degree temperature this uh, weekend. Uh, zero degrees is rough on plant. 33 ain't squat. Okay. <laughs> Can I say ain't squat, Java? Well, I guess I just did. 33 ain't squat to a rose. Okay, well, that's what I will do. Okay. Now, Barbara, when you set it out at first, be sure you loosen up the potting soil. What I would do is I'd find a sunny spot. I would dig the dirt up, and then I would loosen the potting soil and the roots and then stir that potting soil into your dirt and then plant in that combination. It's going to drop a few leaves because they've been inside where it's low light, low humidity. So you might want to go ahead and just cut it back a little bit when you set it out, and, uh, and it'll jump right back out with all sorts of new flowering growth. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you a lot. All right. Appreciate your call. Thank you so much. Uh-huh. Well, we've gone from uh, on the, the border of Tennessee down to the Gulf Coast, Alabama. We get calls from all over the place. So if you want to give me an email anytime during the week, garden at mpbonline.org, I'll be real glad to help. And we're going to be just yakking about gardening stuff. You've got mail. Oh, yes. Wait a minute. Mr. Bozeman. You've got mail. Wait, hey, I get, I get lots and lots and lots of mail. And uh, here's um, something I'd ask uh, uh, Ellen Higginbotham. She is a, uh, a master gardener, and uh, I'd ask her to, to tell me what the, the seven deadly sins of gardening that uh, that our, our, our friend uh, Gary Bachman, Dr. Bachman from the Extension Service, told master gardeners. Uh, he said, here are the seven, seven deadly sins of gardening. Gardening fever. Getting too much going, wanting to plant too much, jumping the gun, planting too early. Boy, do I agree with that. Who are you going to call? Know who to call when you need advice. Um, you know, there's all sorts of places that have nonprofit advice. Some people are driven by profit, but you can find a good person at a garden center that, that you can depend on to give you good advice. Uh, but uh, also places like here at MPB, we have uh, other garden experts in the state, but uh, Extension Service is a good place to call. Here we go. Planting again and again. Planting too early and choosing plants that don't like it here. Uh, not keeping records. I don't know if that's a sin. I don't keep any records at all. At all. But, uh, fences make good neighbors. He gives all sorts of reasons to have dividers to keep deer and other people and cats and dogs on the other side of your flowers. And uh, the number one is uh, forgetting that gardening is supposed to be fun. Enjoy yourself. I appreciate that a whole lot. Now, here's uh, here's a, a call, uh, an email. Why do my daffodils have green leaves but no flowers? Planted a long time ago. Here's a reason for this. Uh, and by the way, my great-grandmother had 350 different kinds of daffodils up in the Delta, and I only grow about uh, 30 or 35 myself. A lot of daffodils do better further north. Uh, you know, most of those you buy at the store were grown in, in Holland, where it's really, really cold. It's got snow and ice here right now. And they need a cold spell before they'll set a flower. But also, if you cut daffodils down too early, they don't make their flower bud for the next year. Uh, daffodils make their flower bud in the five or six weeks after they normally flower. It's real important to leave the foliage of daffodils and other spring bulbs alone until it flops over and turns yellow. Otherwise, you can cut down on the flowers. Um, some daffodils also get real, real crowded, uh, and their holes need to be dug up, separated from time to time. 
Now, if you don't want to do this, we've only got two or three dozen different kinds of daffodils out of the hundreds of daffodils. There's only two or three dozen that will spread and multiply and bloom more and more year after year after year. And uh, I've got a list of those if you're interested. But not all daffodils, uh, there are a lot of daffodils that will just bloom for one or two years, and that's it, sort of like tulips. Uh, He said, uh, the other question was, I've been told that Bearded irises need to have their upper root exposed, and, and that's true. Uh, bearded irises, the kind with that little ropey-looking rhizome, that needs to be baking in the sun. Uh, if you cover them up with dirt, soil, if you want to call it that, if you mulch them, uh, their flower bud uh, doesn't develop right or, or it gets eaten by snails and slugs. Top of the iris rhizome needs to be baking in the, in the sun. Uh, here's a good one. I got this from Grace down at Long Beach. Uh, I answered this uh, day before yesterday. We have dewberry briars and silver berries. How do I get rid of them? Uh, and I suggested you can wipe them with something like Roundup. As long as you don't get it on other plants, they're not going to hurt your soil. Uh, but what I do is I put, and I have blackberries and uh, dewberries and briars in my little garden. What I do is I put on a pair of gloves, and when the ground is soft and moist, I pull them up gently, trying to get as much of that root as possible. And if you'll do that, you'll get most of it. But the trick is come back a month later and do it again to what comes up that you missed. In other words, be persistent. Two or three pullings will peter it out pretty quickly if the ground is moist. And again, use some gloves. Um, Let me see. Here's one, and I haven't had a chance to answer this because I didn't get the email, but I'll I'll do this afterwards by email. Fellow, do you have any luck growing raspberries? He says he lives in central Mississippi. Uh, They don't seem to do well. That's correct. Raspberries do better the further north you go. They're they're northern plants. They like a long, cold season. Uh, Down here, doesn't get cold enough for some varieties. And those that do flower and make raspberries, a lot of times they get diseases or they fall apart in our heat and humidity. They're more of a cool type plant. We do have some raspberries that do all right if they get full sun and you don't over-fertilize them. And if you prune them every year, uh, right after you get through picking them to keep the vines thick and compact instead of those long arching canes. There's one that was actually developed by a professor of mine from Mississippi State called Dorman Red. It grows pretty well here, but it tastes like turpentine. Just I'm just saying, that's all. Um, Anyway, there's a whole bunch. Let me see. Small plant. Here we go. This is a great one. This is from Kathy White. And I love these kind of uh, uh, emails. I'm a long-time listener to the program. I'm a fan of a small flowering plant I see in bloom early spring. I'm pretty sure it's lily of the valley. Every spring I see them, I want some of my own. I'm only a lukewarm gardener. I wonder if I could or should plant some while they're on my mind. Um, here's the thing. What you're seeing is not lily of the valley. I'm sure of this. Lily of the Valley grows maybe up in North Mississippi, but and, and up the hills. But it's a it's a northern plant. Doesn't do well in our hot, humid summer nights. It's also not snowdrops, which a lot of people call it that. What you see is called snow bell, snowflake. Snowflake has got little pointy bell-shaped flowers with green dots on the tips of the petals. Little green dots. It's a great old heirloom plant. You can't really buy it anywhere. You probably could. But it's so easy to transplant. It's so easy. Find somebody that's got some and mark the ones you want. Daffodils, snowdrops, uh, I mean, uh, snowflakes, anything like that. Wait until they die down before you move them. Because if you dig them while they're in bloom or right after they get through blooming, they're likely to skip a year or two. So it could be 2018 or 19 before you... So anyway, mark the ones you like. And when they die down, dig up that clump, put a few of them back in the hole, and you've got more than enough. They spread and multiply. Anyway, what we call snowdrops here, or lily of the valley, is called snowflake. And the Latin name starts with L-E-U, leucosium. Uh, great, great old plant. Anyway, I've got a bunch of other emails here. We might uh, be able to get a, a couple in there. But for the most part, let's just uh, go back to some of the phone calls because that's what we're here for. I do answer my emails. Sometimes it takes me a few days because I'm lazy and I'm gone a lot. But, uh, I, again, I don't try to sell anybody anything. So if you want to uh, write me an email, you get a free opinion there. Nothing to that. Uh, meanwhile, 
we need to take a break or we just go right to the phone call? What do you think? We can go right to the phone calls, but I do want to say um, thank you to Hillary and uh, Jacqueline. They sent in some emails just a few minutes ago about the flamingos. And oh. uh, Featherstone, yeah, they say you can find them anywhere. Just, just you got to make sure they Featherstone. Though. That's right, you got to make sure they're Featherstone. That's the key there. And uh, I might want to mention this. Um, I got a, I think it was Scott. I've already forgotten a fellow from from up north Mississippi. I wants to know if he can plant blueberries now. This is a great time to set out container-grown plants. Dig a wide hole, loosen up the potting soil on the roots, stir it in your dirt. In the case of blueberries, add a shovel full of real Canadian peat moss to your dirt. They really like that a very boggy type acidic material. That's where they're native to. But blueberries, I'm about to plant some in my own garden. Be sure you plant at least two different varieties so you have better pollination. But blueberries, other fruit plants can be put out right now. Roses, no problem at all. Let's go to Pearl. Hey, Scott, thank you for holding on, man. What's up? Very glad to do it. Good information. I always enjoy it. Thank you. Making some of it up. You know I'm making some of this stuff up. Well, that stuff about seven deadly sins. That's planting early this year and all. I'm thinking about how this quirky year we're having this year is going to mess people up next year thinking they can do what next year what they can do this year. Yeah, and, you know, it's it's legal to gamble, Scott, but, uh, yeah. you know, it, it, we we have gotten snow in April, and uh, yeah. the worst part about it is we can have some cold rain ahead of us, and that causes a lot of problems to roost. Better to wait, but if you want to gamble, go for it. You got it. What's I, up? Um, see people every year kind of do what the, uh, they remember the easiest thing they could do was and under optimal conditions, but we have such changing conditions. But I did what you uh, recommended for years about with my fig tree. Uh, and they put a heavy mulch. It, was a, it wasn't pine bark. I couldn't find it at the time, the nuggets, but it was the uh, cypress mulch, and I mulched real heavy around the trunk, the base, and on out, too. But do I need to um, get the mulch back away from the trunk to keep from girdling it uh, at some point or earlier, sooner than later this year because of every authority putting out, you know, leaves and everything? Yeah. Um, you don't You don't really need to, but uh, be honest with you, you know, if from, from now on, what I would, I would pull it back, and if you got some tree leaves, throw some tree leaves on the ground because they decompose and feed the roots and then cover that with the pretty stuff. Because you want something that's going to feed the soil as well as keep it cool and moist. And uh, the cypress and uh, pine, stuff like that, it really doesn't do much for the soil. So if you could, pull it back, throw you some tree leaves or, or that kind of stuff, then put your good mulch on top of that. And do it, just pull it back from the trunk itself, because sometimes we get uh, critters in there that can that hide in the mulch and chew on the bark. Yeah, and the other question was about the, um, uh, the pine trees, the uh, the saying that the kind trees know better uh, uh, when they start budding out that there's not going to be a threat of spot frost. Do you know anything from your uh, experience and, and knowledge about gene- them being genetically different than other plants to be able to, to uh, predict um, climate changes better? Yeah, I, I know probably too much about it. And, uh, and a lot of it's conflict and stuff. But the bottom line is plants tell time by the amount of cold temperature they get, called chilling hours, below 45 and above freezing. And a lot of our native plants, uh, depending on what part of the state you're in or, or the south of the country, they're going to they're gonna bud out. As soon as they get that number of chilling hours, which is what they have averaged out over many centuries, and uh, most of the time, pecans start leafing out around the first week or so in April. That's when they usually do in central Mississippi. If they bud out a little bit early, it's because, you know, they tell time. They, they, they don't know about global warming and that kind of stuff. They, right. it's, it's based on physiological response to sunlight and cold temperatures. And uh, I've seen pecan trees with snow and ice on them before. This was the first year I'd heard anything about the pecan trees being different from other plants or smarter than other plants. They're not. I was wanting to test it out. They're not. What you knew about it. They're like, not. A lot of lot of native plant a lot of native plants naturally wait to bloom because they know it's going to get cold late. But well, I've seen some in bloom right now, a little too early. And I've got a new uh, crepe myrtle, not crepe myrtle, uh, flower and crab apple that I planted at the end of January that's got a lot of clay to fight through. But I took a lot of the clay out and all that, and I'm. I'm going to name it Felder's girlfriend or Felder's sweetheart because I figure if, if uh, there's a chance of that plant making it, it's going to have to suffer through a lot of stuff. And I Listen, go, your go, sweetheart could do that better than anybody. Go outside the original plant hole, take your shovel, and, and just loosen the soil. An extra two shovels outside the original hole, just loosen it up to help them get the roots out in that clay because they got to get used to it. Appreciate it, man. We got a scoop. Thanks. We're going to go to Purvis now talk to Bob. What's up?
Hey, uh, Felder, how you doing? I'm fine. What's going on? All right, listen. Uh, I had a formula from Julia Caesar on how to make a homemade weed killer using a uh, swimming pool salt, and I, uh, my briefcase was come up stolen on gardening, and I had it in it, and I can't find it. Yeah, there's a formula for uh, using uh, salt, like a salt water uh, swimming pool. Yeah, solution. yeah, which we, we can kill your grass too, but I mm-hmm. want to kill everything. Yeah, it's in a ditch. Yeah. Well, you have to shoot me an email about that because I don't talk about homemade uh, pesticides on the air. I mean, for legal reasons, I don't do that. Shoot me an email and I can come up with something. All right. Happy birthday. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Ain't my birthday, but I'll have a happy one anyway. Let's go to Mobile. Hey, Mikey, how are you this morning? Hello? Howdy. We're right at the end of the the program. What can we help you with, Mikey? Yes, sir. Um, uh, Insecticides again. Will pine straw mulch put over a compacted, previously constructed, heavily clay compacted, will pine straw mulch encourage termites? Nope. All right. Even if you put pressure-treated wood that's that's kind nope. of drifted up from the... No, nope. no, nope. wood and stuff like that, it. those kind of things don't encourage termites. Termites do nest in old wood. But they don't encourage anything, and, and pine straw doesn't. It's got that waxy covering on there that that termites really don't like. But a- anyway, I, you know, the, yeah, so the, the answer straw, the, the answer the is no. Straw laid down, and the the pressure treated walkway over it won't hurt. No. Great, See, thank you. All right, appreciate it. I like that one answer. Yeah, no. Yeah, no, maybe sometimes. Well, uh, see if you can answer this question. Uh, we had a call. Well, we had a, more, a couple callers, but we ran up on the end of the show. Uh, you got any um, appearances? Any places you're going to be coming up real soon? Uh, I do, but I don't have my my calendar with you right now. I'm going to be in Foley, Alabama. I think on the ninth of March. I'm not sure. It's a Thursday night. I'm going to be in, in uh, down in Foley, down in what we call East LA, Eastern Lower Alabama. Uh, and I'm going to be at the Florida Library, but that's not for another little while. But uh, I, I don't keep my calendar with me. I'm just, I hate to say I'm all over the place or I'm all over the place, but anytime anybody wants me to come do a program in the library or a garden club, just shoot me an email. I do this all the time. And we have, <laughs> we have fun. I bring a bucket of stuff to talk about and we whoop it up unless I show slides. But anyway, anytime. But mostly if you've got questions about gardening, that you want a nonprofit answer to, or at least a second opinion, or a first opinion, or you just want to sort out some of the facts. I don't get involved in PC stuff. Uh, if 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 there's a problem, I will talk about it. I will talk about it as best I can based on research and experience and observation. And what would my mama do? That's the way I roll. I'm Horticulture's Felder Rushing. You've been listening to the Gestalt Gardener here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Uh, we call it Think Radio. My producer is a lady back with a hardworking Java Chapman. And um, uh, who is the call greeter today? Sam, Sam Wells, we're talking, <laughs> sorry, Sam, one of the many hard-working producers here. Uh, anyway, I'm going to be thinking of all of y'all as I get out, I finish pruning my roses and doing odds and ends, uh, going to get out and about, do some stuff in the yard, knock around, maybe taking a Mardi Gras parade, don't know if I'm going to go to Mobile or, or to New Orleans, just don't know yet, or one of those places. Anyway, talking about gardening here on MPB, I'm Horticulturist Fellow Rushing. Let's go out and do what we do best on this beautiful weekend and show other people how we love to get dirty.